Wow. It felt like things had been going downhill the last couple of weeks, but we just went up a notch right there. The ladies. You see some of the ladies in the audience like, yeah, that's my anthem. You know, that's my song. Anyways, glad you guys uh, are able to be a part of our series. We've enjoyed this, but we've also had some very serious conversations about faith and being in that groove spiritually in the things of God. And I'm looking forward to continuing that with you that we've been in. We have one more week next week. It's been called it's been called banger, and we have said, you know, that is a word used in our culture today to describe, you know, a, a really amazing song, a hit, or even anything that's awesome. And uh, so people are using that in different ways. But what we know is that we've been focusing on the spiritual groove, the spiritual rhythm, the, the things that that would cause you and I to be living in this spiritually banger zone. And we've been talking about how it's not easy to live in that zone. And I've been seeing, as you've been attending, and as more people have been coming in this series, that you're you're thinking about that journey. You're thinking about next steps. I have watched in this series as, as people have come to know, first of all, have come to know Jesus Christ in this series. I've loved seeing that. People signing up for baptism, I've loved seeing that. Uh, people signing up to serve during this series. That's been pretty amazing to watch as well. Uh, people have been signing up to be a part of small groups, and they've been attending. Last week was our first round of groups. I don't know if you're aware, but they started meeting last week, and hundreds of people in our church are attending those right now. If you missed last week and you're like, holy smokes, I got to be in a group, I got to be in a group, great. Last week was kind of an introductory week. Some some groups are starting this week, last week introductory week, so you you can... You can be in a group easily. You can start this week. If you want more information about groups, you can go to our website. Or, of course, you can go to the Connect table down the hallway on the left-hand side and just let us know uh, that you're interested in groups. And they'll, bring, they'll give you one of those catalogs to look through so you can pick which group is right for you. We've been growing as a church. Uh, our, uh, looking at our year-over-year numbers. Um, this time last year to, on the same weekend, We've been averaging five to 600 more people than we were a year ago. So imagine a church, yeah, that's really amazing. Imagine a church that's growing by five to 600 a year, you know. That's a really amazing thing to be a part of. So it's been a, a good series, but we have had to really deal with some difficult topics. And as you know, uh, last week I really hit on perseverance. If you missed that talk, you need to go back, go to our, go to our YouTube channel or go to our, our, our app or website and catch that that one from last week because perseverance was the key. And I want to sort of continue that because really uh, this is the things I'm sharing with you and some of the difficulties of a spiritual journey with God uh, is, I mean, this is front and center to why so many people bail out, you know, when things get difficult rather than digging into God, they, they just, they just bail out. And so I've really wanted to deal with that because our time has been all about how to stay in that groove. And one of the things that as we were dealing with perseverance last week, I was saying, what do you do in a moment where you're on a journey with God and you feel like you can't see the promise? There's an obstacle in the way. We talked about that last week. And so God's given you a vision, but, but there's something in the way. And so we talked about Jericho and all that last week with Joshua. This week, I want to take another step and say, what do you do in a moment where you know God has promised you something, but it feels like you're going backwards? 
I don't know if you've ever, has anybody ever said, okay, God's made a promise, I'm going to start following him, I'm going to be on this journey, I know he's got something in store for my family, for my marriage, for my finance, for my business, and so God, I'm going to start honoring you, whatever I need to do, and it feels like you're going the opposite direction. Is there anybody here that's had that encounter? I know I have, and, and you're wondering, like, what in the world, God, is going on? I think about, you know, when our church started, uh, with my wife and I being called to to, to, this, to, to start this church back in 2006, you know, we, we did these things to prepare and to get ready, but the truth is, is, is when you're starting a church and you have your first weekend, October 1st, 2006, at the YMCA, we didn't know if anybody was coming. You know, we did all this work, told everybody, hey, we're starting a church on this day, and I can remember being backstage going, holy smokes, it meant, is anybody gonna be there? It was a... It was, it, it was quite a moment because people did come and uh, some of you may know the history on that first weekend. We had 324 people come to our very first service. It was amazing. <laughs> Over the years, you know, I, I, I've shared what I'm about to share with you in different settings. Uh, sometimes, you know, in the church planting world, that's what we call starting churches. You know, back when we started in 2006, Zephyr Hills really wasn't growing. It was still this small, very small town. And, you know, people wanted to know, like, how are you having the success in such a small town? Because, like, it's one thing to start a church in a big city. But, like, this is a small rural area that really nobody wanted to start a church in. And here we were starting this church and experiencing success. So people who were in more rural communities were saying, how did you do that? And so we, we were sharing, but I've shared with them the story that I'm about to share with you. We had a great launch, but here's what happened the next week. We had about 240 people there, 220, something like that. And then the following week, we had about 170. And then the following week, 140. And eight weeks into that journey from 324, eight weeks later, with my incredible preaching, we were down to 88. 88. Now, we knew, God, you called us to this. Heck, we saw 324 people on the first weekend. Of course, you know, you have visitors coming the first weekend, helpers, people helping you start the church, people just checking it out, you know, but, but like... Wow, 324, God, felt like that was really good confirmation. And now eight weeks into it, we're like, I can see the trend. In just a few weeks, if this continues, we're closing the doors and moving out of the country because this is not going well. So, so what do you do in a moment like that when you know you've been promised, but now it feels like we're going the opposite direction of the promise? And I can tell you that what we did together, some of those families that helped us start, is we didn't freak out. What we said is, if we keep following God, keep following God, keep digging in, keep digging in, he will reveal things to us. He will, he will show us. And uh, we, we knew that as long as we you know, operated with the very best that we could present every weekend, something was gonna happen. Well, lo and behold, really, you know, the next week we saw an increase and the next week we saw an increase. And, and then at Christmas at New Walk, we, we uh, our first ever, we had 180 
people there. So we're trending in the right direction. And in a few weeks after Christmas at Newwalk, we beat our Christmas numbers. We had 210 people there at a time in January. And then by Easter, our very first Easter, seven, eight months in to the start of the church, we had 280 people there. And then over the summer, we grew some more. And within a year, you know, we were averaging maybe more than what we started with. And all of a sudden, you know, we were seeing this thing develop that God had promised. But man, it wasn't easy in some of those moments, and it's not just been that early time. We've had other very challenging times here in our church history, and what we've learned and what I've learned is that in those moments where I'm facing that opposition or that sort of feeling that things aren't going in the right direction, those are the moments in opposition where God is going to reveal his omnipotence. It's in those moments where it feels like uh, everything is impossible, that God's trying to make himself visible to me and to you. It's in those moments where I feel like life is crashing down, but if I'll dig into the things of God, though life is crashing, I'm gonna discover what real life really is. And yet it is so easy to just flee and run. What I wanna do is spend some time with you in the scriptures following a a little bit of a journey to help us again, just like we did last week with Joshua and Jericho, kind of continue this this journey with, uh, uh, with digging into our faith more by looking at Elijah in 1 Kings 17. So we're gonna spend a lot of time there. Before we get into 1 Kings 17, I just wanna bring us to 1 Kings 18 because 1 Kings 18 is a moment of great victory. So I'm gonna start kind of in this victory moment, a very famous moment in history that I've shared many times here on the stage, especially talking about you know idolatry and false god worshiping. Uh, I've spent some time talking about this moment of great victory for Elijah. He's on the top of Mount Carmel, and it's in a time where the king and, and the people are worshiping false gods. And these two altars are set up, and one is an altar set up for the false gods, And one is set up for Elijah's God, the one true living God. And it's this battle royale where, okay, uh, the winner is going to see their God show up in a powerful way, strike down that altar and light it up with fire come down from the sky. And it was going to be amazing, kind of prove it moment for whosoever God is real. And we know the false gods, their God didn't show up. Nothing happened. But then the one true living God, Elijah's altar got lit up. It was a big moment, trash-talking moment. You know, Elijah sees this great victory. If you are a follower of God, follower of Jesus Christ, it's that get your blood kind of flowing. Woo, you know, we're victorious moment. I love reading it. It's a powerful story. You should go back and read 1 Kings 18. I said last week, the Bible is a banger. Like, it's got some amazing stuff. And this is one of those moments where we see the difference between false idols and the real one true living God. Victorious moment for Elijah, but there was a difficult time before that. Just like last week, I was saying, you know, it's easy when we see somebody else have a great spiritual victory. We see, oh, wow, that person had an amazing spiritual victory. Woohoo, look, it probably was easy for them. And no, there's a whole backstory of how hard it was. And that's what we're doing when we look at. First Kings 17, we're seeing some of the difficulty before the victory that I want to bring to your attention. What I thought I would give you in our time together is four words if you want to stay in that banger, 
groove vibe of that you're on the right journey with God, here's four words. You can write these down. These are gonna be important in your spiritual walk, not just in 2023, but the rest of your spiritual journey with God. Here's the first one. It's invitation. So we're gonna go back to 1 Kings 17, and we're going to see Elijah is invited into a time of specific trusting with God. And the invitation into the battle, into the journey. Here's what it says in 1 Kings 17 and verse one. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So Elijah is telling, this prophet of God, that's what Elijah is, is telling the king this false living, it's costing, it's gonna cost the people, there's going to be a severe drought for the next many years and it's not going to rain in the next years except, Elijah says, when I say it's going to rain. And, and so he, he's saying that the Lord has communicated this to me and now he's telling Ahab, this is the way it's gonna be. This false living uh, is going to be very uh, difficult, it's gonna bring on a very difficult season for the, for the people, for the land. And then it says this, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So God says, uh, go on a journey, you're gonna leave this area, and you're gonna go to a different place, and there's gonna be water for you in this brook flowing, and there's going to be ravens that bring you Food, like, I'm right there. I'm like, this is interesting. I, hey, what you doing for dinner tonight? Yeah, the ravens are bringing me food. Like, I, I don't know how that, I don't understand all that, but this is, this is what it says. It says, so he did what the Lord told him. Let, let me stop right there. I could do a whole sermon on that line. He did what the Lord told him. Like this is the invitation to the journey and the acceptance. I've been invited in God and I accept. I think this is a great challenge in 2023 for all of us. Just like it could have been for that time, it still is today. God invites me in, will I be obedient? God invites me in, will I be obedient? People who call themselves Christians struggle with obedience, right? We all do. But this is, this, is, this is the moment where it's, okay, God, you're revealing this to me. Will I respond? I talked about baptisms earlier. There are people who call themselves Christians who won't even be baptized. You come to know Jesus Christ. Jesus says the very next thing, step of obedience that you take is you're baptized. And there are people who won't even do the first step on the journey. Some of you, that's you. You're like, I don't, I don't need to be baptized. You're not, the very first step you won't do. Maybe that's changing your mind right now and you need to write baptism on the back of your connect card. You know you're a believer and you need to take that step. But it goes on. He says, okay, I did, we're gonna do what the Lord told me to do. That's what I'm gonna do. And he went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. He stayed there. The ravens brought him a bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. This is this is nice. Like, he has got a nice flow going here. This is the first all-inclusive vacation in history. Like, food in the morning, food at night, plenty to drink. If you've ever been on that all-inclusive vacation, I think what you do is you, you, you eat in the morning, you eat at night, 
you have all this fun and you drink Diet Coke. That's what you drink at an all-inclusive vacation. Anybody, just side note, anybody here, anybody here ever been on an all-inclusive vacation? Raise your hand. Just keep them up. I just want to see all the rich people here. Hold on. No, don't, don't, don't put them. Ushers, could you, ushers, could you get their names so that we just know who the rich people are? So in our t- like, this is a really nice moment here for Elijah. There's going to be a drought in the land, but you're going to go eat and enjoy the, the water that's flowing from the brook. It's a moment where God is inviting Elijah in, and he's accepting. You, you and I get invited into things with God. And when we get invited into that journey, one of the great things God is trying to do in that moment and that time with us is to show that he is in control. And, and it's so hard, I think, to be obedient at times because that means that you have to relinquish control. You have to let God be in charge. I know some people say, well, if I let God be in charge, you know, I feel like I feel like, it, you know, it's just gonna ruin everything that I have going. Look, if God wants to ruin you, he will ruin you. You're here because he hasn't ruined you. God has a design. God has a plan. He wants to invite you in on a journey with him to say, okay, I wanna know something new, something revealing for, for my life. That's what God desires to do. And some of you are Christians. You've gotten the invitation and, and, and you haven't responded to something on the journey. Others of you, you've never accepted the first invitation. That Jesus Christ, the son of God, came down to humanity, went to the cross, died a brutal death on the cross. Blood was shed. Three days later, he rises from the dead. He ascends into heaven. He's prepared a place for you that your sin could be forgiven, that you could have a relationship with God and spend an eternity with him. An invitation that's on the table for all of humanity and you have not even accepted the first invitation yet. For some of you, that's where you are. You've heard the invitation over and over again, but you've not accepted the invitation and you know what I know when I share something like that there's somebody here and you haven't made that decision today and you're like well I haven't made that decision Pastor Gary because my life is fine here's what I know your life isn't fine you know how I know your life isn't fine it's for over 25 years I was you and I went to bed at night and I know what you think about when you go to bed at night about your purpose, about the meaning of life? Like, why are we here? What does it all mean? I know the things that you struggle with because I was there. Everything's not fine. And there's something greater that God is trying to reveal to all of us. There is a average life, there is a good life, and then there is a great life. Not an easy life, but a great life that God is inviting all of us into eternal life as well. Have you said yes to the opening invitation? I hope that some of you will do that before you leave here today in our time together. This is the second thing I wanna give you. There's an invitation to journey with God and then there's desperation. Gonna make all these rhyme. All four fill-ins are gonna rhyme. It's a banger series, so I felt like let's just make them rhyme. So we go from invitation to desperation. There are times where you're craving something to happen in your life and you're willing to get desperate. I don't, I don't know if you've had those moments. I can remember when, uh, you know, when we had a dog in our home and the dog passed away and then um, we, my, my youngest daughter wanted another dog. 
and we're trying to explain to her, like, there is a tremendous responsibility. All of us have done this. There's a tremendous responsibility in having a, a dog. And we, she said, well, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. And so what we did was we spent some time uh, over a period of, of months putting her in position to encounter what it means to be a dog owner. And she was so desperate to have a dog. She was willing to do anything that she had to do. And so, like, okay, you're going to go out and clean up the poop in the yard. Not from our dog, from somebody else's dog. One time, they, they went in the car. Uh, the neighbor, our friend across the street, took their, their dog to the, to the vet. And, and, they, and she went in the car, and their dog threw up in the car. And she had to clean up all the throw up. And she's doing all this because she's desperate to have this new dog. You ever done something out of, you're just desperate for something. There's something you feel like has to happen. I think what we must understand is on the journey as a believer in Christ, there are moments where it feels like there's desperation. I think we missed this, and I shared I shared last week in one of the times one of the services I was praying in, and I was just saying like, God forgive, forgive me, forgive pastors, churches who maybe at times we've presented the Christian journey as something that's a cakewalk. Forgive us for that because that's not what it is. Like if we ever I kind of said something and said it's going to be easy, like. That's not it. It is not easy. It's, that should never be presented as easy being a believer because there are moments of great uncomfortability in order for you to encounter the things of God. In fact, I wrote this in your notes. Here's a great lie. Ready? The safest place that you can be is in the will of God. I feel like I've seen that as a bumper sticker somewhere. The safest place to be is in the will of God. That's not true. Not at all. You know how I know that's not true? Because I've read the Bible. Was Jesus living within the will of God? Some of you may be unsure about that. The answer is yes. <laughs> he was crucified. Was Paul living within the will of God after his conversion? Yes, he had his head chopped off. Was Peter, I know he had some struggles there, he had some struggles, but got things rolling, got things moving. That time, was he living within the will of God? Yes, and he was crucified upside down. Being in the will of God is the best place for you to be, but it is not at all the easiest or the safest. And you need to know that. That's why I'm bringing this series to you. Say, okay, you want to see some change? You want to be on some journey with God? You want to really dig in in the year 2023? You need to know that it is absolutely the best place to be. But it will not be easy and it will not be safe. Elijah, he's following God, right? Who, who, who told Elijah to go down to the brook? And, and, and be over there. Who, who told Elijah that? God, right. We're in church. The answer is God. So yeah, it's God. We just read that anyways. God said to Elijah, go down to the little brook. First Kings 17 in verse seven, ready? Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Hold on a second. God, you told me I was the man. Like, I got a mission for you, and it's going to be amazing, and I'm going to eat, and I'm going to drink, but my water source just dried up. But you told me to go here. 
And it doesn't seem, best I can tell, that Zephyr Hill's bottled water is going to make a delivery here anytime soon. So what's going on? Like, God, is there a... Is there something happening here that, that I missed? Because I'm pretty sure this is exactly where you told me to be. I got to question that if I'm Elijah. And some of you have been in this place where you, okay, we're going to go on, the, but now it feels like we're going the wrong direction. God, what are you trying to do to me? God, why is this happening? Don't you love me anymore? Aren't you listening to me? Like, why would you feel like you have abandoned me? Fill this, fill this brook up with water. Here's what happens in that moment. God is going to bring, and I'll explain to you why in a second, Elijah to a place of desperation. Of desperation. I was talking about our church um, earlier and some of those, those early moments in our church history. And I, I think you need to know something, that when you walk into this church, you are walking into a place where it stands as a monument for desperation. The people that started this church, some of the early families, we were desperate. The things that we dealt with along the way, we were in a YMCA for nine years. We watched other churches, you know, that started about the same time, two, three years, they had their own building. And here we are still, like, and one of the great problems we had was we kept growing. That meant the new building we were going to be in was going to be bigger and bigger, which meant more money, more money, more money. And it felt like we could never get, you know, to where we needed to to do what we needed to do because every time we looked at the plans, it had to be bigger and bigger. And so it's like, I don't know if the provision's ever coming. Like, will we ever have this opportunity? Like, are we gonna spend 35 years in the YMCA or something? God, I, I know that you did not, it feels like you didn't call us to be in this place, you know, for forever. There's gotta be some opportunity for us to take a next step. Then we're trucking along. And COVID hits and lockdowns and shutdowns and all this stuff takes place. And we watch our church feel like it's drying up. A third, when we reopen, a third of the people that used to be here start showing up. A third. And when I talk about the five or 600 people that are new since last year, it's really very few of those are some of the people that used to attend here before COVID. It's all new people, which is really amazing. But you know, you're in a season like that and you're leading a church and in an instant it feels like it's dried up. You're wondering, like, it, it, what is happening? God, you get a little bit desperate on the journey. Is there what's taking place? But God continually brings us through these moments and that's why when you walk into this church, you are encountering something really powerful in seeing what God has done all along the way, even this morning as I look out here in the audience and I'll share in just a moment why that's such a big deal uh, to what I'm seeing just this morning uh, at the end of our time together. So we see at first glance, we see a plan at first glance. God, you want me to go down to this brook, but now it's getting desperate because the brook has dried up. That leads me to the third thing in your notes, revelation. Here comes the invitation. Then there's a period of desperation but then comes the revelation. God starts revealing in that place of desperation. The brook has dried up, and then in 1 Kings 17 and verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him. After the time of desperation, then the word of the Lord came to him. 
So many times what happens is God brings us to a place of desperation and those are the moments where he wants to reveal really what he's wanted to reveal. What he's trying to bring to your attention. And a lot of times, because of our dependency on worldly things and fleshly things, it's hard for him to get our attention. But when we really dig in in those desperate moments and seek him and seek him and say, what's happening, God, I need you, we really dig in. Those are incredible moments where God is laying a foundation in your heart to say, now I want to reveal something to you that I really wanted you to discover. And you know what? How many Christians are willing to accept the invitation, get desperate in a season, a long season for God, so that they can encounter the revelation? How many people, where do you get revelation? You're in the word of God regularly. You're praying regularly. You're getting spiritual wisdom from strong spiritual leaders regularly. You're digging in, digging in, digging in for revelation. I mean, just to get to the point of revelation today, very few Christians put themselves in an environment where they can just have the revelation of God. Things dried up, and then the word of the Lord came. God's like, now, okay, now, Elijah, now that I've got your attention, now that you've let go of the all-inclusive trip, let me put you in this position for revelation. It says, then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you food. God says, oh, I haven't forgotten you, Elijah. I haven't forgotten. I'm, I'm going to reveal to you now, I, I am good, I am in charge, I am awesome, I am powerful. I want you to understand who I am. I want you to understand the promise that I have for you. I know the brook dried up, but you're in the position right now where I can bring to you a revelation for what I really have in store, and I need that in my life. There's been so many things that have come against our church over the years, and so I need God's revelation to remind me of his promises. Things like this in Matthew 16 and verse 18, Jesus says, now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build, I'll build my what? Church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I've needed that in those moments of desperation, that type of revelation. Ephesians 3.10 says this, God's purpose in all of this was to use, to use what? The what? Church, to display his wisdom and his rich variety, all the unseen rulers, authorities, and heavenly places. Uh, there have been moments where things have come against us, and governments and leaders and uh, people living worldly and, and Pharisees along the way have come against the things of our church, and yet I've had to be reminded that the gates of hell will not prevail. Haggai 2, 6 and 7, for this is what the Lord of the heavens army says. In just a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to his temple and I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of the heavens armies. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of the heavens armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than the past. He's always doing something that's, that's going to be greater than the past glory. Says the Lord of the heavens armies. And in this place I will bring peace. I, the Lord of the heavens armies, have spoken. That's revelation. And you get that. Through, you say, okay, God, reveal. God, reveal. God, reveal 
to me? Are you putting yourself in a, po- in a moment and a time of desperation to dig in for revelation? And that leads me to the last thing in your notes, celebration. Once you go through the, once you accept the invitation, you go through a period of desperation, revelation comes. And now that's the time of celebration. And see, you don't want to forget to party for God. When God does something big in your life, it's time to honor him. It's time to celebrate. I think so many times we go to God and say, God, reveal, God, reveal, God. Oh, God, I need you. I'm desperate. I need you. I need you. Reveal, reveal. And you're digging in the world. And he reveals, but we forget to, to just celebrate and say, thank you, God, for what you just did. 1 Kings 18, verse 41. We've been in 1 Kings 17. I told you about the great showdown in 1 Kings 18. Now here's the other side of the victory. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there finally is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. God, God, you did it. I'm just going to take a moment to just say, God, you did it. Turning to God and just, just honoring him. When is the last time you journaled or just made note and celebrated a great victory that God provided? See, I need those moments of victory because it's those moments of victory and those times where I'm celebrating and remembering that puts markers, right? It puts a marker in my heart to say, okay, the next time I go through a struggle, I can remember the victory from before and celebrations help you and I remember victory. I need that. I don't just want to say, okay, God, moving on. No, I, I want to stop and say thank you. Thank you, God, for what you're revealing. We talked a couple months before Christmas at Newwalk about a month or month and a half before Christmas at Newwalk and we did a series and we're talking about finances and I invited people to just to just trust God with, with their finances. We did something called the 90 day tithe challenge and some of you said, yes, I'm stepping into that and I wanna say thank you for doing that. Others of you, you had the greatest gift Christmas offering and you took a step into that. Thank you, thank you for doing that. But I said to you, I said, you know, and I saved this for this week, just our time together here. I said to you, watch for every step of obedience that's taken during that series, hundreds and hundreds of steps. It will line up with the amount of people who say yes to Jesus Christ. You will watch as your dollars translate into people's lives changing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the work, the invitations that went out, the work that went into Christmas at Newwalk, just, just watch. And, and I don't know if you saw this, but, but here's how many people cracked one of those glow sticks and said, I'm ready for the very first time to say yes to Jesus. There it is. So you said, oh, okay. I'm going to take that step of obedience, God. I, it feels dry. It feels a little desperate, you know, but I'm, I'm just going to, you're revealing your work, and I'm just going to step up and, and trust you. When is the last time you celebrated what God did? In fact, in fact, here's what I want to do, just a little time together here in, in our church. I want to invite you to stand if, 
in just the last month or two, maybe you're one of those people that did the tithe challenge or, 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 the Christmas, or maybe some other thing, and you took a step of obedience and God responded. Just if, if that's happened, just if you've had that encounter with God, maybe just in the last couple of months, would you stand to your feet and, and cheer? Go ahead, we're gonna cheer, we're gonna cheer. If you've had an encounter with God that's worth celebrating in the last year, would you stand to your feet and let's celebrate? If you've had an encounter with God in the last five years and he responded, let's celebrate. If you've had at least one encounter with God in your entire life and he delivered, let's celebrate. Ah, uh, but this is quiet. It needs to be louder. Come on, we gotta celebrate. Yeah. Can't forget those moments. They're worthy of celebrating. You can have a seat. Celebration is key. Let's not forget what God has done in those moments. Take time to remember because those reminders are valuable the next time there's desperation. Are you desperate for something that hasn't even been revealed to you yet? Some of you right now, you're in a place, you're desperate in your marriage or in a relationship. You're desperate financially. You're desperate some other area of your life. You're willing to really dig in so God can reveal something to you on this journey. Let's pray together. God, we're just being reminded there are, that on this journey, it is not easy, it is not safe, but it is the best place to be. And I believe maybe you're just inviting, maybe re-inviting some, some folks on a journey that are already believers. You're inviting them and just, you just got to take some steps. There's some steps you need to take. It could be baptism. It could be being in a group. It could be developing into a leader in the church. It could be being called, being sent to do something great for the kingdom. It could be you're calling people just to, to just dig into your word in a new, fresh way, to dig deeper into a prayer life. God's calling you into a journey with him. We respond in this new year and say, yes, God, I now am not turning that invitation away. I'm, I'm going to receive that. Good God, I'm ready for the moments of desperation. Maybe some of you are in that right now. Are you willing to dig in for the revelation? And God, I'm just trusting you on this journey. There are other people here. There's people right now uh, in, in this audience. And here's your story. You've never accepted the opening invitation. You haven't. You're outside the bounds of God. You're outside the will of God. You're outside the family of God. But he's inviting you in on an invitation to journey with him. Not an easy journey, not a safe journey, not a comfortable journey, but a journey that brings life and life to the fullest and eternal life. And you can begin that journey just like I did. You could just, right where you're at, you can say, God, I'm ready to accept that invitation. And the invitation is this, that for all who believe, that's a trusting word. Trust in the name of Jesus Christ, God's one and only son, came to this earth for the forgiveness of your sin, that forgiven people have a relationship with God and you are accepting that gift of forgiveness, that you are accepting that invitation to have a relationship with God. You can do that right now where you're seated. Say, God, I am ready to go on that journey with you. Forgive me of my sin. I trust, I believe that you
you are the connection, that Jesus is the connection to the Father. I am ready to have that journey with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.